And let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you would never, ever, ever lead us astray. I thank you that your word is true forever. Your word says that, that, that you, you can't lie. I thank you. That means that you're incapable of it because you're God. And you have you've set the boundary of your word on your own life. And you can't lie. Thank you that what you say is true and it's forever true. In spite of what we see in, in the world situation and what's going on around us, I declare tonight that Jesus is Lord. And I declare, Lord, that, that you're not nervous and we're not nervous. We believe you, we trust you, we thank you tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I, I've been a little bit baffled this week and last week and uh, I mean, the mainstream media is confusing me. You know, the mainstream media is anti-Americanism, anti-patriotism, anti-history, anti-family, anti-church, anti-God, and yet we 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 hear about this war in the Ukraine, and all of a sudden they're patriotic. And they want to, to stand up for America and they're reminding us of our history uh, with, with regard to Hitler and with regard to uh, what he did in Europe. And all of a sudden they're all about America and they're all about history and they're all about all these things and they want us to go fight somebody. I, makes, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to draw a conclusion here, I'm just telling you, that makes me ask a lot of questions. You know, if they are so opposed... <clears throat> to who we are and where we've come from. And trying to equate this time to World War II, I'm telling you, the greatest generation were people of God. And they loved God. And they, they defended this country because of their belief in freedom and their, and their belief in God. And if they're going to talk about history, they need to talk about all the history. But I also notice this, that as they're talking about us needing to go and fight and doing all the things, that, that, that nobody's talking about the disaster at the border. Nobody's talking about the disaster that took place in Afghanistan, and no one's talking about the double-digit inflation and all the things that are going on in our nation. Uh, I want the Lord to just pull back the screen and just let us see and let everyone see what's really going on out there and that, that we don't need a war to cover up the mistakes of the current administration and what's happening with them. And we just need to pray that God will help us and help uh, help this country not get in another Vietnam or another uh, situation like Korea that we've been in already uh, in these, these unending wars, even Afghanistan. Uh, we need God to help us not, not be foolish because we're trying to protect someone from looking like a fool. <clears throat> Amen. So we just need to pray about that. The devil, I'm telling you, he is, he's been watching human nature for a long time. And if it offends you that I got political, I'm not really going to apologize. I'm just going to tell you we got to know what's going on. Yeah. And it's okay to speak out and to speak up, uh, you know. And and uh, if you don't like this part of a message, you can fast forward through it the next time you listen to it. Uh, <clears throat> the devil, he's the accuser. And he's doing everything he can to uh, to stop us from reaching the place God's called us to. The war, as we've talked about, is, is the war over truth, over what we believe. 
The devil is doing everything he can to shake us and doing everything he can to get us to come away from what we believe and to compromise and to, for sure not to talk about what we believe and to stand up for that. Now, there's a time not to speak up, but there's a time to speak up and there's a time to be bold that we need to know that we, we are the children of God. He's the accuser and he's doing his best to block this nation from becoming what God's called her to be. You know, we, we are, we are the beacon of the gospel to the whole world. The United States of America has preached to more countries and more lost people than any other, any other group of nations combined, no matter how you put them together. We have been the beacon of the gospel and the devil wants to stop that any way that he possibly can. Uh, the church, he's doing everything he can to silence the church. And he's been doing a pretty good job of it, that he's silenced, silenced the church from speaking up and, and speaking out because, uh, you know, Christians have demanded that, um, that the messages be about us <laughs> and about what do we get, you know. And, and uh, it's interesting, the disciples one time asked Jesus, what do we get? <laughs> and he said, well, you know what, if you give your life away to the kingdom, you get everything. That was his, that's my paraphrase of his answer. But the key is giving our life away to the kingdom, giving our life away for him, and that's not being taught a whole lot. The devil's accusing. He's accusing you. Have you heard him lately? He's accusing you because that's what he does. The Bible says in, in Revelation 12, he accuses you day and night. He, he accuses us all the time. He never gives up. I mean, you know, those, those demons, that, when one of them gets tired, I guess they got a, a substitute coming right in right after him to begin to accuse. And the, the accusation is there. The devil will do everything he can to find fault with all that you do. He continually reminds you of your failures and of your past. And he, he, he's doing his best to deceive you, to make you think that you can't make it in the future. And he, he's just doing it. You hear stuff all the time like, like uh, you know, you're not good enough. Um, it's your fault that this happened. You'll never make it. And you, you've tried before. and You've always failed. And the, the thing is, he does his best to make it sound like you're thinking that up yourself. And Christians are having self-talks, telling themselves that they're no good and they can't make it and that they, that they are failures. And, and I don't know about you, but that frustrates me because it's the devil that's saying that. The devil is putting that in people's heads. The message of the Bible is pretty simple. God is good and does good things for people. The devil is bad and he does bad things to people. And, and, and it's the devil that does that. We are the ones who have the choice. We get to choose what report we believe. We get to choose what, 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 whether we walk in life or death, blessing or cursing. We get to make that choice according to the scripture. That's what we get to do. Here's what I understand from what Jesus said. I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase kind of what he said. He said that we become the servants of whoever we obey. If we obey sin, we become the servants to sin. If we in other words, if I obey sin, sin becomes God to me. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? He said we become the servant. He said you can't serve God and money, though he called them both masters. You get to serve one or the other. You can't serve both of them. If you obey feelings, you obey your emotions and, and that type of thing, and you say statements like, God has failed me in some way. Let me tell you how you say that. Why, God? Why? You just said that God failed you in some way. And so what happens is, is that you put yourself under the dominion of that doubt and that fear and that anger rather than 
the, answer, the question isn't why, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but it's what now. That should be the question. If somehow we think there's no hope, then, then that, that becomes our God, and that becomes who we follow after. If we think we can't get free, if we think those things that, that we can't ever get away from, if we think that, 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 that money controls what we do, if money ever starts telling you what you can and can't do, instead of God telling you what you can and can't do, then money became your God, and it became the Lord of your life. Isn't this good? Amen. I mean, if God says, if God says, Randy, I want you tomorrow to get on an airplane and fly to Guatemala, money has nothing to do with it. And if I don't have the money in my bank account, then I'm still going to go to the airport, hopefully, and wait, and the money's going to show up, or the ticket's going to show up. If God told me, if God told me, then I, I, I just do what he tells me to do. All right? God is good. The Bible declares that Jesus is Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. In Him we are overcomers. We are victors, not victims. That's who we're supposed to be in Christ. So we need to find out. We need to find out in our lives, find, what am I trusting in? What do, who do I trust? What Do I trust CNN? Oh, no, not in this room. No, 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 no. What about Fox? Do you trust them? I mean, I, I've even been listening to the conservative media's reading what they're having to say in these times, and they quit talking about the problems and started talking about uh, all about the war. And all. it's not our war. We need to pray for the people, those innocent people that are truly the victims of this of this tyranny. But it's not our war, and we need to even the one, all of the all of them I've been reading from. They're all talking about it all the time, except for the one that that they all, all they talk about is how bad the shot is. And so, uh, you know, that's they're still there. But we, we need to we need to find out what is God saying in this time. Faith without works is dead. <clears throat> If we're living like the word does not work, then our faith is dead. The word works. It works all the time. We are to have, the Bible says we're to have faith in God and we're to have the faith of God. Too many people are stuck in the quagmire of religion and, and remorse over the past or what they did today or you know that all these things are going on they're just stuck in this thing and, and 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 they don't give regard to what does the word have to say about it what does the bible say they just get stuck in it and they can't seem to get out of it they're thinking wrong they're acting wrong i mean they just don't know how to, it's kind of like the story of of the little boy who who he lived on a farm and and he ran to the neighboring farm and began to cry out to the farmer he says help 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 my dad is stuck in the mud and the farmer at that farm said, said, how deep? And the boy said, up to his ankles. And the farmer said, well, that's not too bad. And the boy said, well, he fell in head first. <laughs> there seem to be a lot of Christians that are stuck. They've fallen in head first, and they just can't get away from it. They can't get away from their past. They can't get away from the accusation. And they need deliverance. They need something to happen to them. They need to get unstuck and get out of that place. And then there are Christians. I mean, they, they seem to be thinking that, that, that everything has to be deep for them. Have you ever thought you need, I, I need something deep. You know, this preacher's not deep. I, I, need, I need depth. Depth. Well, some people get so deep they get stuck that way too. I mean, we don't need to get so deep we're stuck. We don't need to get stuck in the past. We need, we need to find out what does the Bible say 
The problem we have, and I've talked about it a lot, is that Christianity has become about the Christian and not about the Christ. It's become about what can Christ do for me and not can I surrender my life to the Christ. Can I become a disciple and follow him? I found out that Jesus isn't following me around. Most Christians want Jesus to follow us around and clean up our mess. Jesus wants us to follow him around and walk in his victory. And that's what, he, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So we need to understand that we want to do what we're supposed to do to serve him. Our motive must be to serve him. I mean, he wants us to be healed. He wants us delivered. But the goal of all of that is to, is to serve him. I went to pastor a church one time and they had a hard time. And they would say, uh, they kept saying, oh, we're just wounded. We're just wounded. We're just wounded. Can I just tell you something? I understand people get wounded. But if you get wounded, get well. Eventually, you've got to get well, and you've got to do something about it and, and get out of that. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now is come. I like the way it says it. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. Listen, we should be walking in the victorious anointing of Jesus Christ. Amen. I understand there are problems, but we can't stay in the problems all the rest of our lives. I'm going to give you some help tonight. This is going to be fun, what we're going to do. People are looking in the wrong places, asking the wrong questions. Not, God, why did, you do, why did you let this happen? Why, God? Why? You may never understand why, why you're here on this planet. You may never know. I mean, ask Job, how come God didn't tell him why? Basically, God said, listen, when you get to be God, we'll talk about it. And he didn't, he didn't have to answer those questions. We need to find out what is God saying. So listen to this text. This is in John chapter 5, beginning of verse 38. It says, and so Jesus is talking, he said, and ye have not his word abiding in you. He's talking to Pharisees here. You have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent, him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. That's a powerful passage Jesus is talking about. I mean, we need to understand Jesus is the Christ, right? Christ is not his last name. You know, people say, Jesus Christ. Well, that's not his last name. That's his title. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ. The word Christ is the Greek word Christos, which means anointed. It refers to him being the anointed one, the Messiah, the anointed one, and his anointing that's upon him. Those that are in Christ are in the anointed, and we have access to all that the anointing does and brings. If we're in Christ, Jesus is the anointed of God. Through him, we are anointed as well. Isn't that good news? We are anointed. You right now are anointed. You are You'll just say that to yourself. I am anointed. All right. In this passage, Jesus had just healed the guy at the sheep gate in the pools called Bethesda. All right. He just heals this guy. All right. He then was heavily criticized because he healed on the Sabbath day. And then he referred to God as his father. <laughs> and it made a lot of people mad, and they wanted to kill him. In the passage I just read, Jesus said, if we don't believe in him, 
then, 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 then we don't have the word of God abiding inside of us. Right? It's belief in him that brings that. He's referring that, to the fact that these guys think that it's their religious ceremony drawn from their tradition that they think saves them. In other words, they think going, they're going to heaven because they go to the right church. Right? And that's what he's talking about. He tells them, he, he says, he tells them, he says that the Old Testament that they study and that they read is not their ticket to heaven, but it's a sign that points the real way to heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things. In other words, the Old Testament is a shadow of the real thing. The Old Testament is always pointing to the real thing. It's always pointing to the Messiah. The salvation that is ours is in Jesus, the anointed. And so that's what we look for. The Old Testament is the new covenant concealed. The New Testament is the new covenant revealed. All right. So we, we see that in the scripture. So I'm going to read you an Old Testament scripture. And we're going to look at some things tonight that I think you'll find to be very fun. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard, they came to seek David. Isn't that something? They all came to seek him. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. And the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. You ever heard that passage before? That's a great passage of scripture. David gets to be the king. Finally, he gets to be the king. Because God promised him that he would be the king of all Israel. And you know, right after he got that promise, what happened to him? Now, it was bad for a long time after that because Saul wanted to kill him. Okay, But he was anointed. He was anointed to be the king. And they anointed him. And look what happens to him when he gets anointed. The Philistines come looking for him. A lot of us, oh God, just bring me the anointing. Well, if he brings you the anointing, it'll get the attention of somebody else too who will do anything in his power to stop you from walking in the anointing. I mean, you know, ultimately the anointing brings victory, but you're going to have to stick through it. The Philistines heard about it. I love it. They came to seek David. They weren't seeking an audience with David. They were wanting to kill him. Okay, they didn't like the fact that he was anointed to be the king. They didn't want him to be the king of Israel, but and they were out to they were to kill him. So they hear about it and then they come to attack him. Here's what I find out when I read the scripture. There's no such thing as victory without a conquest. If we're going to walk in victory, that means we got to walk beating some stuff. We have to live in this place of fighting the fight of faith. All right? Jesus, remember, he got baptized the Holy Spirit came upon him. Oh, it was such a great day. What was the very next thing that happened to him? He went to the desert and was tempted of the devil. Fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The anointing came. The devil didn't even know who Jesus was until the day he was baptized. Because Jesus comes out of the water and the Father says, This is my son. Because the devil had been looking for him for all this time. He didn't know who it was. He said, This is my son. And then the devil came. And tempted him, but Jesus overcame him in that temptation. The Spirit did that. The church at Pentecost got filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Ooh, man, they were all speaking in tongues. It was a great experience. You know what the next thing that happened was? They were persecuted. The anointing draws not just the presence and power of God, which is the greatest part, but it also draws the attack of the enemy who hates the anointing and will do anything to stop it. Don't mean to scare you. You want the anointing. Otherwise, without the anointing, you just become a prisoner of war. The devil attacks, launches the attack at the anointing because the anointing will break his tyranny. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, the scripture promises us that the anointing destroys the yoke and removes the burden. We want the anointing. We don't want to be held in its tyranny. The devil tries to make us doubt God's promise, so we'll deactivate the anointing. So we think, if I just get the anointing, everything will be easy. Remember years ago, there was like a, I can't remember, there was a, a store, and they had, the, their, and they're advertising, they had an easy button. And, and, and you just, it was a, I think it was an office supply store, and you just hit the button, and then you had the stuff. It was an easy button. And some Christians think the anointing is the easy button. If I just get the anointing, I just push the button, and everything's fine. Now, the devil's going to come, and he attacks. That's why we fight the fight of faith in the Spirit, because he wants to destroy the anointing. The anointing isn't easy, but it makes everything good. It makes it right. The anointing will make you keep will make and keep you free. It brings freedom to people around you. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke, destroys the yoke. Okay? It enables us to reach destiny, to lay hold of the promises of God. Without it, we become prisoners of war. It's interesting. David fights against the, the Philistines here, and it says that, that the Lord... Let me find the scripture here. It says, And he came there, he smote them there, and the Lord had broken forth his enemies as a breach of waters. This little phrase, breach of waters, literally means... Breakthrough. God broke through. David got a breakthrough. I think some people in their lives just need a breakthrough. In their personal lives, their finances, their emotions, and all these things. And our nation needs a breakthrough. The church needs a breakthrough. Not just the same old, same old, stuck in the mud stuff. A breakthrough. We have the anointing. We need a breakthrough. We need the Lord to bring a decisive victory in the church today. People, individuals need a decisive victory over things. So I'm going to talk about this for just a second. The devil attacks. He looks to the anointing because he knows the anointing will stop him. He wants to get you to quit. He wants you not to, not to do anymore. Let me tell you something about the devil. He is not looking for a truce. He's not asking for a ceasefire. He wants to destroy you. He, you know, he comes and he'll make a deal with you, but he lies. Everything he says is a lie. The devil is not our friend. He wants to wrestle away our faith because he wants us to give up on what we believe. He wants you tonight, if he can get you, to say, I don't believe in that anymore. This circumstance came and I don't believe in, in, in what the Bible says. Or, I believe the Bible, but he wants to wrestle it away. This battle that David fought against, against the Philistines took place in the Valley of Rephaim, which means the Valley of Giants. Here's what the devil does. He always wants to remind you of the odds. What are the odds that the church can win back our nation? Hmm. I mean, I think the odds are worse than that in the church winning back the nation than Tech win the national championship this, this time. 
The devil wants to remind us of the odds. It's impossible. It is impossible. The way things are going, it is impossible. The devil wants to remind us of that. He'll always, he taunts, he threatens. Now in David's case, he's hoping that David forgot about the last time he whipped a giant. He don't want to, he don't want to remember that stuff. Much of the time, the devil will come in order to prevent you from going where he wants, where God's called you to go in the anointing. The devil will remind you of your past and tell you that you can't do it. He'll come and say, you, you, you can't. You are this. You are that. And when he comes, our job is to remind him of his future. Because our future is sure and so is his. Because of the anointing, David had the right to expect victory to come in his life. Not because of his ability, but of, because of God's ability. I mean, David, David went out. God had already won the victory. But David still had to suit up and go and smite the enemy. That's why he prays. He goes into the hold and he prays. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's by God's spirit that this is going to happen. He goes to the hold. The hold in the scripture is the cave of Adullam. That's where David always went to pray. He, he went there. One time he got there, and the Bible says that God brought him all of these people. I mean, they were in debt. They were distressed. They were depressed. And they brought them all to David, and he was their leader. What a great army to have. But they became David's mighty men. And they became men that overcame all odds. And God gave David the kingdom. Just because he was anointed, though, he didn't assume he needed to fight. He needed to pray and find out what God wanted him to do. So he found out what the Lord wanted. Okay, So we, we understand we can expect victory because we're anointed. Listen to these verses. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. The word unction means anointing. You have an unction from the Holy One, and if you'll get in the place of prayer, seeking the face of God, you will know what to do. Okay, when it says you will know all things, it doesn't mean you know the square root of 92. That's not what it's talking about. It's knowing you will know what God called you to do. In the same chapter, seven verses later, it says, but the anointing, which is the same as the word for unction up there, which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. We have this anointing. It lives in us. We've, done, we've got to rely on this anointing that's inside of us, so we're going to know what to do. All right. No matter what we're facing, we need to expect that we're going to win, that God will do what he says he will do. We can't listen to the devil. We've got to surrender to God. All right. We need a breakthrough. We need to break, our nation needs a breakthrough. Our nation needs you personally to break through. You, it needs me personally to break through. We need a breakthrough. Our nation, our city needs this group to have a breakthrough. We need to break through something. We need to go someplace we've never been before. We need a breakthrough. So they went. So David calls this place Baal Perizim. The phrase, the word Baal Perizim literally means the Lord who breaks out. It means the master of the breakout. I like that so far. The Lord who breaks out. The master of the breakout. Or it means the Lord of breakthroughs. Breakthrough is God's specialty. He is the master of breakthroughs. That's why the Bible says, with God, 
All things are possible because he's the master of the breakthrough. The Bible says nothing is impossible to him that believes because the anointing is in us and we can break through. For example, Jesus broke out of the tomb. There was a breakthrough. I mean, the angel, somebody rolled the stone away and Jesus broke out. The church broke out of obscurity at Pentecost. There was a breakthrough. We, listen to this, you and I, we broke out of darkness into light when we were born again. We broke out. There was a breakthrough. The scripture says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You began this journey of faith with a breakthrough. We're to continue to walk with a breakthrough. We're to continue to have that. We break through. Breakthrough is this big manifestation of God's purpose. Right? It's not just a moral victory. It's a breach of waters. In other words, it is a flood of God that takes out all that opposes him. We need that to happen. We need a flood of God to come through. All right? We've got to make sure we don't believe the devil. All right? I want you to hear this. I like this verse of scripture. I'm getting ready to read to you. It's in Micah chapter 2, verse 13. You know where Micah is, right? You know, right where it is. If you don't, you can look at the table of contents and you can find it later. But listen to what it says. Micah 2.13. It says, The breaker has come up before them. In the King James, the word breaker is all caps, B-R-E-A-K-E-R, all capital letters. The breaker has come up before them. They have broken up. They have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. According to every theologian I've ever read, this is a messianic verse. This is a verse about the Messiah. This verse calls the Messiah the breaker. Capital B-R-E-A-K-E-R. He is the breaker. It's referring to Jesus specifically as second advent, but it's also something we can, we can apply in our lives today. The word breaker, talking about Jesus, the word breaker, it's the noun form of the, of, of the, the words broken out. It means he is. It means to break out, to cause to come apart by force, to separate in pieces by shattering, to burst and force a way through, splitting a barrier to escape from and emerge through. Jesus is the breaker. Jesus is the one who causes us to break out. Jesus is the one who who causes the enemy's forces to come apart by force, to separate in pieces by shattering, to burst a way through. Jesus is the breaker. He is broken through sin, death, poverty, sickness. We are following him. We have his anointing. He is the breaker. The church needs to be following him. He is the breaker. He is breaking through. He's already doing it. The New American Standard reads it this way. The breaker goes up before them. They break out, pass through the gate, go out by it. So the king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. The breaker is leading the way. We are following him in his anointing. The Amplified says the breaker, the Messiah, will go up before him, before them. They will break through, pass in through the gate, go out through it, and their king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. It's not like this one. The message says, Then I, God, will burst all confinements and lead them out into the open. They'll follow their king, and I will be out in front of them. 
The easy to read Bible says, the one who breaks through the walls will push through and walk in front of his people. They will break through the gates and leave that city. They will leave with their king marching before them with the Lord at the front of his people. Jesus is the breaker. He has broken through. He's already broken through. As Christians, we need to believe what he said and be following him to the breakthrough. All right? He is the door is opening on our breakthrough. The wall that imprisons us is being broken by the Messiah. The gates of hell cannot prevent the church, can't stop the church. We need to be breaking through. Listen, we need to understand God is calling the church of the United States to take back ground that has been stolen from us. He's calling us to stand up in this age to take it back. Whatever we do, we must not quit and become exasperated with all the negative events that are happening in the world. I don't care if gas gets me $9 a gallon. We're not quitting. We've got to follow him. The breaker has broken through. Listen, we don't need to seek the breakthrough. We need to seek the breaker, the one who does it. Now, I want you to listen to these verses. Jesus is the anointed. He's leading the charge. We can expect a beatdown of our enemies, the ones we're facing as individuals, as church, as nation. Not because we're all that, but because he's all that. Now, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said the kingdom of heaven, if something is at hand, it is within your grasp. He's saying everything that's available in the kingdom of God is within your grasp. Okay? After the, this is right after he defeated the devil and the Mount of Temptation. Here's the anointed one. The, the Ben Campbell Johnson version of the Bible says this. Jesus said, repent for an invasion of the spirit is imminent. Now that's a pretty cool little translation. An invasion of the spirit is imminent. Why? Because the anointed one is here. Because the breaker has come. He has come to break through. Jesus is saying, I'm here. The anointing is here. And we're invading the devil's stolen territory to reclaim it. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about the kingdom of God. The invasion is taking place now if we'll allow ourselves to be a part of it. This is Matthew, the same basic passage in Matthew 1.15. Jesus was saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. He's saying the time, the time is fulfilled. The word time here is not time in general, but it's referring to a specific epical moment in time. According to the Weiss word study, that means epical moment. An epical moment. He's, he's saying the time is fulfilled. An epical event has occurred with the present result that the time is ripe. Jesus is saying... This is a moment of fulfillment. The manifestation of God's purpose is breaking through. God's purpose is breaking through. The epical event has occurred, thus the time is right for the manifestation of God's purpose breaking through. Have you ever, have you ever watched like the Ten Commandments? They called it an epic, right? It was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Well, here Jesus is saying an epical event has occurred. What is the epical event he's talking about? He's talking about that the breaker has come. The anointed one is present now. The time is ripe for an invasion from heaven. The time is ripe for a breakthrough. We can expect it. We can demand it. We need to understand God wants to bring the breakthrough. It's kind of like this. 
and I know you've heard this passage of scripture before in Isaiah 59:19. It says, this is how we read it, because there's the way it's written in the King James. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, come, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And you've heard it read that way many, many times. You realize in the Hebrew there are no commas. The translators put the comma in there. Here's how I think it should be read. When the enemy comes, when the enemy shall come in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The Lord is the breaker. It's a breakthrough. The Lord wants to break forth upon the enemy. He wants to do that. We need need to understand that all these things out there are nothing compared to who he is. He is not nervous. He's not, he's, not even, he's not even bothered by, by, by what the enemy is trying to do. The enemy is, it's not like this, this fight is between good and bad. It's a struggle. It's so even. No, no, it's not even close. It's not even close. Tammy told me she was praying one time and she was reading about the children of Israel and they came down to the Red Sea and, and I mean, Pharaoh's behind them. The mountains are on both sides of them. The Red Sea's in front of them. And I mean, they're, they're, they're in a bad spot, it looks like. And Moses prays, sticks out the rod and, 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 and the, the sea opens up and they go across on dry land. Tammy said, she told the Lord, she said, wow, that was close. And God said, it was never close. Never close. If we think the enemy has a chance against our God, we have the wrong mindset. He is the breaker. He breaks forth like a flood of waters. If we'll allow him to do it, he is the breaker. We can expect the breakthrough. How do we get the breakthrough? Well, Jesus told us. He said, repent. Turn from the world system. Turn from the lies that you're hearing. Turn from all that stuff that disagrees with the word of God. Turn away from that stuff. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Believe is is to sell out on something. It means to sell out on the good news of God. Sell out on the word of God. When we repent and believe, we are in the flow of the breakthrough that God is going to bring to us. God wants to bring us a breakthrough. I believe if we'll stand with God, a flood is coming. And the people of God rise in this hour like never before. And the flood sweeps away all that's in its path. And it clears the way. It's an irresistible force because it's him. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. He is the breaker. The time is ripe. And I think if we'll embrace what I'm talking about tonight, the time is ripe for your breakthrough. The time is ripe for your invasion of the Spirit to come in front of you. Let me close with a little story. Anybody read Pilgrim's Progress? And most of us, many of us had to read it. But in one part of it, Christian is the main guy. And, and if you read it, he's find, trying to find the celestial city. He's walking and suddenly up ahead, he sees his way blocked by a roaring lion. I mean, it is in the way. And so he's afraid that his progress, he can't go any further. And so, but he's driven to finish what God called him to do. So he gets slowly along the road. He gets up there and he notices the lion is chained to a post. Anybody remember that part about that? It's one of the best parts of the whole, whole, whole book. And the lion roars and it paws and it, you know, but Christian can just pass by unharmed because it's already been captured. Somebody had already been that way. Someone had already captured the lion. And even though he looks ferocious and he's, he's in fact chained, he's harmless and he's not a threat. The devil is threatening. He's roaring. In this time we live, he is trying to tell you that you need to be afraid. Be very afraid. 
But you need to understand tonight, someone has already passed this way. And the enemy is already chained. He's already been defeated. We need to recognize the breaker has come. He's made a way for us. The breakthrough is ours if we'll just receive it. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that Jesus is the breaker. Jesus, you have made the way for us. We broke out of sin into your marvelous light. We thank you tonight that there's more for us than we can ever realize. Tonight we refuse to stop and to say it's hopeless. Lord, we pray tonight that you give us courage to stand, courage to do what you've called us to do. We give you praise. We give you honor tonight, God, because of your promise, because of what you said. In Jesus' name, amen.